Hello to everybody who can't guess an accent. It's beautiful, anonymous, one hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Really, it means a lot that people support this show, that they've supported over the years, and it, I've noticed all of a sudden getting uh, getting press and, and uh, a lot of, of upswell and people reaching out and saying the show is helping them during these isolated times. It means a lot. Happy to do it. I speak on, every, on behalf of everybody here who helps make this show happen. That that's, uh, that's why you do it, right? That's why you make stuff so that other people feel less alone. And hey, we've been throwing a lot of content at you. I know that. Very happy to announce, though. Big deal. Big deal. This Thursday, the 11th, the first episode of the beautiful anonymous video version comes out. I'm so excited to see what people think about this. It's a version of the show shot on video, half hour long, and it's just me in the studio. And then there's some very light visual aids, animations put over it. Nothing that's too blunt or over the top. And it's just like this show. Just sort of a gentle conversational show. Go to topic.com. And I thank Topic for taking a chance on me. Thanks to everybody who gave feedback on last week's episode. That episode was tough. One of the toughest episodes we've ever put out, which is saying a lot with this show. But I got to tell you, saw feedback from people who lost people in their own lives to suicide. Some people offering thoughts to the caller. Some people talking about how the call gave them something. And a lot of people saying how that experience, you don't ever really fully heal from it, but that you are in it together. Uh, thank you. Thank you to everybody who opened up in that feedback and, and was vulnerable. And especially in the Facebook group, a lot of people personally putting stuff out there for the caller. This week's episode, it's not going to sound at the surface like it's light in comparison, but I actually think, for I mean, not to make a dark joke, a lot of things will be light in comparison to last week's call, but you're going to hear right away. Every once in a while, me and a caller just have a vibe where it's like, oh, we could chat forever. And we got that going for the first 10 minutes we're chatting. And the caller starts to tell us about being hearing impaired. And I'm not going to lie, in my head, initially, I'm going, wow, we already had a deaf caller. We're treading the same ground. Listen to this one. Don't fall into that trap. Our caller has so much information, actual like anatomical, biological information, information on the technology that's helping. And you're going to hear about her, her son. We talk a lot about what's it like to raise a kid when you see them born and you realize, oh, they're going to have to deal with something that was presented a lot of adversity in my life. And uh, I learned, I learned so much informationally, let alone emotionally. And one sentiment that comes up to all the moms out there, Ooh, these kids have no idea. You're going to hear what I mean. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. this Chris? It is. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I can't believe this. This is crazy. (laughs) Oh, well, that's... Wow. That's very flattering. I'm glad to be talking to you today. Yeah. How are you doing? How uh, how are you handling everything these days? Um, as far as how I'm doing in the immediate sense, I'm good. It's very. It's getting very cold in New Jersey, so that's a bummer. But I have everybody in my sphere is healthy and happy, and I like hanging out with my kid and. That's good. And then I sit here and look at the numbers going up and everybody kind of brushing it off. And I am filled with fear, but I try not to let that dominate my days. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, We are starting to get a little chill in here, too. I'm in the West Coast. And uh, even like yesterday, I was driving around and I was trying to tell my teenagers, I'm like, look, look at the colors of the fall. The colors of the fall in the U.S. is so beautiful. And... uh, (laughs) He did not care. <laughs> He's like, whatever. And I'm like, come on, look at that. There's like yellows and reds and all the strong colors. It's just, it's amazing. I always find it amazing. 
But um, so that part makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a little bit of cheer in this crazy times of today. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so yeah. when I, when my kid grows up to be a teenager, it's very real, huh? What they say. It's just a bunch of years oh of him gosh. rolling his eyes at me and showing absolutely oh no respect gosh. for anything it's, I say. I mean, my kids are the sweetest. I have two boys, mm-hmm. a 14 year old and a 17 year old. And my oldest one has always been super sweet, super kind, uh, super close to me. <laughs> but oh boy, could I tell when he turned 14 and, you know, started changing a little bit of his attitude. And I'm an artist, so I even did a little cartoon strip of that because it was all of a sudden I felt like I was unwelcome in his room, you know, because it smells bad <laughs> all the time. And, um, you know, and it's kind of like, all right, mom, just get out of here now. You know, I got to do my thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that happens a lot. Yeah. That's a bummer. Uh, I know. I'll brace myself I mean, for 13 years from now. Yeah, but, you know, at the same time, I still feel lucky that, you know, he still shares a lot with me and uh, we are still very close. It's just a different way of, you know, relating. It's just completely different. I like the fact that now I get to have a lot of great conversations with them, you know, like you can really go deep on things and that's really fun. Um, But it's hard because they do challenge you a lot, you know, and they call you out on a lot of your your own (laughs) shortcomings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they catch it, you know, they catch it right there and they go like, all right, you know, I'm calling you out on this one. I'm going to challenge it. And that's part of being a teen, I guess, is just kind of trying to test it out on the real world and see all the things that you preached all those years, if they're really for real or not, you know. So that's a scary thing to do because as a parent, you kind of have to put yourself on the, you know, have to coach them from the sidelines a little bit more. It's not so hands on as when they're little. And that always freaked me out. <laughs> I'm just, mm. I'm going day by day. I'm just waiting for this kid to potty train. That's all I want. Yeah. That's the number. That's Is exa- he walking? Oh, he walks, he climbs, he jumps uh. off stuff. He climbs. <laughs> here's where he's, here's the cutest thing he's doing right now. Although it's terrifying is he'll, cli- uh-huh. he'll climb up on something. And you know, when, yeah. you know, it'll be like, he wants to jump off in our arms. And, and so we would go one, two, three, and he'd jump off. For some reason, he only has picked up on two. So now we've learned, like, if he climbs up on our coffee table and just yells two, that means he's about to yeah. dive bomb, and we have to run over there in time to catch him. And it's uh, oh my god, talking new yeah. words every day. So that's exciting. But yeah, I'm just waiting yeah. for those words to go. I have to use the potty now. That's this is what I want <laughs> in my life. Tired of, I'm tired yeah, of being buddy, screamed buddy at. Training. I'm tired of being yeah, screamed yeah. at. <laughs> what do you mean when he needs to go to the bathroom? He just yells at you? No, when I put him on the changing table, it's like, dude, oh, I can't yeah. just leave you sitting in this diaper. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a rash. Yeah. Stop screaming at me. He screams so hard. Yeah, I remember. So he doesn't want to be potty trained. I don't. He's still yeah, too he's young little. for it. He's still too yeah, young. Yeah, he's it. little. Yeah. It's little, yeah. It happens. I, I babysat a kid that didn't didn't really get off his diapers until he was four. That was oof, that was a nightmare. Oh my for god. me. It was hard. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> he was really afraid of the toilet. I don't know. There's something going on in there. He was really afraid of the toilet, poor thing. And of course, as soon as I stopped babysitting him, because I worked so hard and little steps, I would do my research and everything. And then when finally he <laughs> He was just about to do it. I quit the job. I wasn't able to continue doing it. And then they, the parents told me like, oh, he's finally potty trained. I'm like, now that I left, you know, I wanted the reward. <laughs> I wanted that reward for being the one who's done it all those years, like getting him slowly to that, you know, to that spot where he finally did it. But I still feel like I did. I did most of the work there to help him out, get there. Anyways, I don't know. My guy, <laughs> my guy got so mad a couple of weeks ago. Hallie was changing him, and he was screaming so much that his lips turned blue, and he almost passed out. It was so scary. 
Then we called oh my the, gosh. Yeah, and then we called the doctor and she goes, yeah, that happens sometimes. Sometimes kids get so mad they pass out. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But if it does, just l- let him pass out, put him on his side, let the blood go back to his head. He'll be really tired afterwards. We were like, oh, please, please don't let us have a kid who screams until he passes out on a regular basis. But that yeah. was, luckily, knock on wood, it hasn't happened again. So. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. We seem to be good. Anyway, yes, yeah, it won't happen. It won't happen. You'll be fine. Yes, I know it. Yeah, it's it's not a common thing. I don't think. Good. Yeah. Good. Now, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have to imagine when you when you called today, you weren't um, planning on talking about the the bathroom habits of children. Well, I have to tell you that I've been listening to you for years, and. Um, since maybe not the very first one, but you know, since the very early times when you started, and but I did listen to all of them, and I've tried to call many times, and it was always freaking busy, and I blamed <laughs> it on all kinds of different things. It must be my old phone. It must be that I don't have Verizon. It must be that I live in the West Coast. It must be something, but I could never get through. And um, so finally, I left a message. I was like, all right, I'm gonna peach my story. You know, see what happens. Pitch, not peach. My kid would be laughing at me right now if I said it like that because I have a strong accent. And um, uh, and then um, um, so I was thinking about you know telling you the story of my journey as a person who is you know uh, with a very significant hearing loss. Hearing I am loss. not. Com- yes, I am not completely deaf but I am deaf on my right ear and I am hard of hearing on my left I don't hear a lot of the low frequency sounds on my left so um, and then when I had my second son he did not pass his hearing and screening test and he was born deaf so we did some genetic testings and it came out like basically that there was no genetic connection that we know of between my hearing loss and his. And I have a huge family and um, so does his dad. And none of us have anybody in our families that have any hearing loss story. My story of hearing loss is very unique and really started when I was a teenager with me. So I wasn't expecting that to happen. But so that changed the course of my life a lot. And I know you had someone, you know, who is deaf and had an interpreter, um, um, on the show before. And, um, I think I got, you know, I've always wanted to tell you because I, part of the work that I do with my art is portraying stories of people with hearing loss, with different kinds of hearing loss and deafness, uh, including in my own story, um, through the art that I do, you know? So, um, and, 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 and the main motivation of doing that is that I wanted to break the taboo of how people seem to think that if you're deaf or if you're hard of hearing, this is how it's supposed to be. They were supposed to fit into these little boxes, but there's so many different variations of how that can be, you know? So for example, my son, he's deaf, but he can hear really well with his cochlear implants and he's a freaking chatterbox, you know? (laughs) So he doesn't rely on interpreters to be able to, you know, have communication, so it's it's very different, you know, so much so that this week he was telling me that um, he has some friends online, you know, that he plays um, Minecraft with. And he was saying, you know, when I tell them I'm deaf, they don't believe me. You know, they kind of say I'm lying. And he gets very, like, frustrated about that. He's like, I wanted to tell them I'm not lying. Look, it's true. But like, no, if you were deaf, you wouldn't be talking you know, and you wouldn't be able to be hearing us. And he's like, no, that's not always how it works. And he has to explain and teach them, you know, how that there are many different ways of experiencing your hearing. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I I was very taken aback when you said that you have major hearing loss because you and I had been chit-chatting about poopy diapers for so long <laughs> that... uh you know that was that conversation had a real real fast pace back and forth flow that's uh yeah that's that's shocking i i i do want to just say right away to hear that you use art to try to um explain 
where you're at, where your son's at, where other people are at. And I always think that that's an extremely cool thing. So kudos to you for uh, trying to make some stuff that helps people understand a little bit more. Thank you. Yeah, I think that our stories are very powerful. And um, all of us, you know, not just my story, but everybody's story is very powerful in a way that whatever you experience, good and bad, you know, uh, it can really help other people when you start sharing. And you're a perfect example of that, you know. Um, when you start sharing, you know, you see how people can relate to it and, and it just helps them, you know, feel more empowered to be able to share their stories as well and to be able to overcome things or maybe see it in different perspectives that they didn't see before. And uh, I do have to say, I, I have a hearing device. It's not per se a hearing aid. It's a bone anchored hearing device. So it's attached to the skull in my head. So right now I'm hearing you through through Bluetooth and your your voice right now is inside of my head. So I don't know if you that makes sense to you. <laughs> so so wait, is your is your <laughs> is your bone anchored hearing device a Bluetooth device? So it's it has the Bluetooth feature to it. So the Bluetooth connects to my phone and then the sound from my phone, you know, if it turned on, it goes straight into my head. So I can hear you, you know. So you're not listening to me on the phone. The phone is just a device that's sitting there as a conduit. And there's a device in your head translating those signals. And it's in your head. You could The phone could be it's in the other of, room right now. Well, so the device part, it, it's attached through my head uh, through a little screw. The screw is in my head touching the bone because bones conduct sound. And okay, so let, let me just back it up a little bit because this yeah. is like okay so i have i have a condition called cholestatoma which is a condition where there's a little is a little skin that grows inside of your middle ear and it starts corroding parts of it and i found out about it when i was 17 right so they told me oh you have this cholestatoma you already perforated your eardrum and if you don't do a surgery you know you're gonna lose all your hearing so you gotta and that was on my right side and so you got to do the surgery and take out the skin, you know, and, 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 and patch up the eardrum. So then you're going to be okay. And I did a surgery. And for some reason that I still today have no idea why I, when I woke up from the surgery, I had lost everything on that side. Something went wrong. Doctor couldn't tell me why nobody could say why. Oh, there's a less than 1% of chance of that happening, but sometimes it does happen. I don't know if you messed up. We'll never know. But, um, you know, but then I lost all the hearing on that side. So, but I still had my left side. And, and at that time, I did not know I had cholesterol on that side. Maybe I didn't, maybe came up later. I don't know. Again, I guess back in those days, you know, it was, you know, in the 90s, back in my own country. So um, before I moved to the U.S. So uh, on the left side, um, when I moved to the U.S. in my 20s, I found out that the cholestatoma was also on the left and I was starting to lose hearing on that side as well. So I went to do a surgery and when they removed it, it had already corroded the bones in my ears. Now the bones in your ears. So do you know how the ear works or no? I could give you a quick hearing <laughs> lesson. <laughs> well, listen, I have a basic knowledge that sound goes in there, but I have to assume I do not know how the ear works as well as you do. You've had to think about it a lot more. <laughs> okay. So fill me in on what I need to know. Okay, so when the sound goes in through the ear canal, right, it touches the eardrum. And the eardrum is pretty much like the skin of a drum, right, a regular drum that you play with. So it vibrates the, the eardrum. And then on the other side of the eardrum, there are three little bones, one touching the other. So the first bone, the second bone, the third bone. And the, the job of those bones is to send the sound signals um, to the inner ear you know, through it and amplify them, right? So when they send it to the other side, to the inner ear, the inner ear has the cochlear. The cochlear is like a shell-shaped, um, you know, part of the ear that has millions and millions of ear, um, uh, nerve cells inside of it. There, and there's liquid going on inside, like a water fluid going on inside of it all the time. So when the sound reaches the entrance of the cochlear, the sound waves um, um, uh, get pushed in with the fluid, and the, which causes the nerve cells to um, oscillate, to move around, and it will 
switch the audio signals into nerve signals. And then at the end of the cochlear, there are the nerves that send those signals to your brain. So we actually hear with our brains and not with our ears. The job of the ears is to send the signals of the sound into your brain, you know. So what happened to me is that those bones got eaten up by this skin thing, you know, this cholestatoma. So when the sound reaches the eardrum, it's like, uh uh-oh, you know, there's a gap here. There's nowhere to go to reach the cochlear. (laughs) So that's called a conductive hearing loss. But the cool thing is, is that the bones in your head or the bones, any bone, I guess, conduct sound as well. So the bones in your head are a great way of kind of cheating the... (laughs) you know, the pathway to your cochlear. So if the cochlear is still somewhat intact, you can wear a hearing aid that's attached to the skull in your bone. So they put a tiny little screw through like a small surgery um, that goes and touches your skull uh, near your ear. And then you plug that hearing aid, you know, that has the microphone and the battery um, onto that screw, you know, so then you can hear through that. So the outside part is actually communicating with the phone through Bluetooth, you know, and sending the signal through the little skull, skull through the bone that goes into my cochlear so I can hear you. Does wanna, that make sense? <laughs> I, it does. I want to offer a retraction on something, though. Um, okay. Well, you had asked me, do you know how the ear works? And I said, it. I, I have some cursory knowledge of it. I want to go ahead and backtrack and say I had no idea how the ear worked. It's now become <laughs> retroactively. I've come to understand. I was like, "Well, there is an eardrum, and that's where the littlest bones in the body are." Like that. That's the amount well, I knew. And now, <laughs> now you're telling me about li- liquids and nerve endings floating in them and bones and screws. So I had I had no idea. That's uh, mm-hmm. wow. Now, yeah. I, here's Go. a que- well. Here's a question that's it's kind of a silly question, but I also think there's something really true about it which is like um there's all there's all sorts of things that can happen to a human body now that they can they they can correct through technology and robotics and things and on some small level it's almost like you're a cyborg it's almost you know like and i wonder how that feels i'm I'm sure it's not something you think about day to day but you have this you have this device that's enhancing I guess enhancing your body's abilities or correcting uh, correcting a systemic issue that your body presented, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that with me, I don't feel so much like that because the, the, the bone anchored hearing device, which sometimes people call it a Baja, you know, um, but it got trademarked by one brand. So it's almost like my, I wear the other brand. So my brand is say like, don't call it Baja because, you know, ours is not a Baja, you know. So I'm right. like, okay, fine. So it's that- bone anchored here and, you know, a device or whatever. But it's the same thing. Uh, anyway, so um, my device, it's, it works a lot like a regular hearing aid. But for people that have this specific type of hearing loss, which is a conductive hearing loss, you know. So if you have a moderate hearing loss or a medium hearing loss, you work really well with the hearing aid. You plug it in and you're able to amplify sound. So that's all it's doing is amplifying sound. Now, my son has a cochlear implant and that's cyborg stuff. (laughs) Let's pause there. That's the cyborg stuff. That's the future. That's technology. I can't wait to hear more about that. I bet you can't either. We'll be right back. Thanks to all of our advertisers who helped bring this show to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. Now, my son has a cochlear implant, and that's cyborg stuff. <laughs> that's that a, is that's the more heavy-duty yeah. stuff. Because I think oh, about this Oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah. I, th- I think about it where, because it's beautiful. It's beautiful to hear that you were able to have your hearing restored. It's even more beautiful for you, I imagine, to see your son have his restored. And then you, you see people who, you know, you know, people who have lost limbs and, and technology now is allowing them to, you know, way more than when I was a kid, you see people who can 
you know, recover and function due to technology and robotics. And you start to wonder, like, you know, I even look at LASIK. I think sometimes about getting LASIK. Then I remember that I have very light eyebrows. And a friend of mine once told me I need my glasses to, quote, divide up my face mm. and I get insecure. But you think about LASIK and, and all this. And I go, there's going to be a day where this starts to become like cosmetic or convenience-based where like someone's going to yeah. go, we can put a chip in your head that'll just let you know the closest <laughs> the closest burrito store. And if you're in the mood for a good burrito, you'll just know. It'll just and it's so fascinating to hear like this medical Right. Technology. I do I do have to correct you though a little bit because mm -hmm, we, mm -hmm. we don't say it's got restored with the hearing devices because I am still with my hearing loss. You know, when I take them right. off, which I have to take them off in certain situations, I'm back at what I am, you know, <laughs> exactly right. where I'm at. My son is the same thing. You know, he takes it off and he's in complete death mode, you know. Wow. So which is which is it's so incredible to watch because even his speech changes when he takes it off. You know, and 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 it's so so. I, I mean, I've gotten used to to knowing the difference, and and we do use sign language. I I kind of force him to learn. There's a lot of kids that have cochlear implants that don't sign, and with him, I'm like, no, you 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 should you should know that you belong to both worlds. You know, you're not you you can't you are a person that has the the ability of functioning in a hearing world. You know, in a decent way. And functioning in the deaf world in a decent way, but he does have a little bit of an issue with not being feeling quite a hundred percent belonging into either you know worlds, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, and I think part of it is that he does have a little bit of a speech delay, um, and um, because he got his cochlear implants when he was three and a half and four, and here's how because I was telling you that the hearing you know. Um, the hearing um, um, that we have, it's, you know, it's the brain that, that does it, not the actual ears. So your brain is the one that has to be stimulated by sound all the time, right? So if you become deaf, let's say right now, right, you've already had all the years, all the way into now, where you've been stimulating your brain to understanding those sounds, so if all of a sudden you stop hearing right now and then you put a cochlear implant on, you're going to be much more successful at being able to hear and understand the sounds that come in through you through, through the cochlear implant than someone that had 30 years of not hearing anything ever at all, you know, and then all of a sudden they put the cochlear implant on and the brain's like, what the heck is going on here? They have, the brain has no idea how to comprehend what's going on. So even with a lot of help, which that's another misconception. People think like you plug a cochlear implant on and then everything is speech. You know, it's not. My son did tons of speech therapy and oral rehabilitation and all kinds of different, you know, um, 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 uh, you know, uh, special uh, classes to be able to get to where he's at today, you know, to be able to understand the sounds. I mean, I would walk around with him all the time describing everything, everywhere we would go like, oh, they hear that, that's the train passing by. Oh, the train is making loud sounds. It's coming from this way. Oh, we're walk, 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 walk. I mean, we would talk like that and like, describing, explaining, showing, pointing, you know, and, and, and working on the speech and the comprehension because you're hearing these things, but your brain is just really not making sense of it. So if you have a lot of years without having any input of sounds at all, you know, you, you're, you, you're always going to use the cochlear as somewhat of a tool. So that's why there's some people that put it on and they go like, oh, you know, it kind of helps, but it's not like I can just hear, you know, just fine. So my son has this four-year gap because he was implanted, you know, he was born without the hearing access. And he did do a hearing test in the beginning, <clears throat> but when you can't talk yet, when you don't have language, you know, it's not like you can put them in the audio booth and make them raise their hands and say, oh, I hear this sound, I don't hear that sound. They're babies. So you have to do the, um, uh, what's it called? I know the name's escaping me, but it's a special type of, um, of um um, hearing tests that you do where they plug it on your head and then um, um, some um, and then they send um, sound signals to see if your your nerve cell will respond to them right and they have to be completely sound asleep they they cannot move and it takes about like a couple of hours so it's not very reliable so back then we thought that his hearing loss was more like a medium moderate kind 
you know, because it goes from um, full hearing to mild hearing loss to moderate hearing loss to profound hearing loss to severe, right? So moderate is about 50%, mild is anything less than that, you know, profound, um, the severe is about seven ish percent and and eight and profound is eighty. So you're already considered deaf if you have eighty percent of your hearing loss or more. Um uh, so um which is like my right side. I don't hear anything at all. So I'm completely deaf on that side. But on my left, I have more of a moderate on my higher frequency sounds. That's why I think I get by so well with speech and being able to hear because a lot of our voices are more of the higher frequency. And then on the low frequency, I have pretty severe, I would say, you know, severe to profound. So like, I don't hear the bass instrument almost ever, which is really funny because my, my, my partner, he's a record collector and he plays records all the time. And when one, sometimes he puts a record on and we're like, oh, the record ended, you want me to go flip it? And then he says, oh no, that's the bass solo. I'm like, oh shit, I can't hear that. Sorry, Sally. Yes. <laughs> So that happens a lot to me. I just like bassy noises are gone for me completely, you know, unless I have the hearing device on. But even with the hearing device on, I still, I still miss out on a lot of it. Like even when we're listening to music and stuff, I have to get really close to the bassy sounds to be able to to get them. So when you, I don't know where I was going. Yeah. Well, I have questions. First one, silly, okay. silly question mm-hmm. based off of what you just said. So when you're hearing a song like Another One Bites the Dust by Queen, which is known for like, yeah. it's really driven by its bass part. Do you just hear like yeah. the light interstitial guitars and then all of a sudden Freddie Mercury shows up? <laughs> no, I hear a lot better. So like the bass is really low. I mean, if you crank it up, I'll hear it. Or if I get really close to it, I'll hear it. But if I'm in the other room, I probably won't, you know, at all. Got it. I'll be like, I don't know what was happening there. It's really weird. Like I even... I don't know why, but TVs, for example, are more bassy, you know, so then if I take off my hearing, I lose the TV sound, I lose fan sounds, I lose, you know, all the background noise of water, water, I only hear the high frequency sounds from the water. I remember for for, uh, years ago, I tried to restore my hearing, putting a prosthetic piece um, to replace the bones that were missing. And for a week, for a whole week, that prosthetic was there perfectly after the surgery. And I was able to gain those sounds back. And I was crying, listening to the flushing of the toilet. You know, my Dodge Caravan sounded like a freaking, you know, sports car for me. It was like, oh my gosh, look at this base. It's like, you know, this is amazing. I was so excited about all that. But then, you know, the prosthetic came off. My, my ear didn't accept it and made a mess of it. So I had to take it out and it didn't work. So, so still, you know, I do miss on, on some of the bass stuff and, 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 and even like with my uh, guitar, I doodle on the guitar. I'm not great at it. I kind of suck at it, but I, I like to learn. I like the sound of it. One of the things that I like to do a lot is I take off my hearing and I put my head against the guitar. So then the sound is being conducted through the bone in my head. So I hear the music completely inside of me but not outside which is something that i think almost nobody can experience yeah (laughs) unless you have a similar condition (laughs) now yeah there's a topic i'm really interested in and and maybe self-serving as a as a relatively new father but the first thing i want to say about because i want to talk about your son and the experience of being a parent who is experience something and then to see your child go through something similar. The first question I have though is there's kind of a um, trope of internet video, which I bet mm. you know what I'm going to say, where th- there's mm-hmm. a bunch of these online where there will be kids who are born um, deaf, who, who are able to have it corrected by cochlear implants and there's these videos and they bring me, I mean, if you want to just get a good cry out, there are these videos yeah. where kids get their implants installed for the first time and you you see them hear their parents' voices. There's some mm-hmm. as well with, with um, kids with vision that's, you know, able to be uh, improved and they see their parents clearly for the first time. These videos, do they, do you, did you have that moment? Did the videos themselves drive you nuts? But when, when your son was four and he got his implants, mm-hmm. 
Did you yeah. have that moment where he realizes that's what mommy's voice sounds like? So what people don't show you is that half the time when the kids uh, get, you know, um, turned on, you know, when the device finally gets turned on for the first time, they don't like it. They freak out. And my mm. son was one of them. He freaked mm. out so much that he would hide the cochlear implants around the house so I wouldn't find it. You know, he put it in between. But it was so cute because he was so little. So I would say, like, where did it go? Where is it? And then he would point at it and show me where he, <laughs> where he hid it from me. But, you know, so he would hide it between books, you know, under the chair and whatever. You know, he was basically was his way of saying, like, this feels weird. This is strange. I'm not used to it. I don't like it. Because, you know, we get used to what we have. So we don't, you know, we, we it's, it's work. So uh, the, first of all, okay, those videos are awesome and they're amazing. And it is emotional. And I've cried with them, too. And there are some really good classic ones, you know, that are really, really um, um of the total tearjerker, but, um, anyways, but, uh, um, uh, but they were the first step, you know, after that, you know, so like you're just, okay, for the first time, you know, they're kind of responding to a sound that is coming through that they never had before. Now comes the real work, you know, where you really have to start going through the process of making sense of those sounds and understanding them. And like I said, when they, if you were under one year old and you put a cochlear implant on, you're much more successful at being able to, you know, have better speech, at being able to cope uh, closer to a human, uh, um, um, normal, like human hearing. I don't like to say normal, but, you know, like, um, you know, the way that a person who is hearing, you know, copes around the world, you know, you'd be able to be mainstreamed the more easily and all of that. And uh, the longer you wait, the harder it is. So in the beginning with, with my son, we thought that, you know, he's uh, hearing loss was moderate, so we put hearing aids on him. And then every time he would have a new test, he'd be like, oh, actually, it's more like moderate severe, so let's put him on better hearing aids. So we would switch to a better hearing aid. And then they would say, and while we were doing all that, you know, we were having specialists coming over once a week, and we were learning uh, what we called, he got enrolled in a program, what we called a total communication program. When a total communication program is where they teach both speech and sign language at the same time. And because he didn't really know any language, which is a totally different experience for me, right? My hearing started, hearing loss started happening after I already knew language. I was already able to speak and cope in the hearing world really well. But before language, you know, how do you teach language to someone if they don't have access to the, to the letters, to the sounds, to the words? So, so, what, so what we had to do uh, was uh, we put him on this program and we didn't even learn ASL right away. We started with C sign. C sign is called a sign exact English. So you sign to every single word that you say. You sign, there's a specific sign for the ING sound. To the, you sign the letter S to the end of plural words. You sign the word to, the word the, you know, everything. In ASL, you don't have to do all that. In ASL, you're just trying to pass the message across. So that's why you sign so fast in ASL. And you do a lot more of a facial expression and body, you know, positions and all that to explain and pass the message across. But when you don't have language and you have no idea how this child is going to do with communications, that child is going to prefer to go in the ASL route, if that child is going to prefer to go through the speech route, what's going to work best for that child? So a total communication program is what really worked uh, for us, you know, because it's like, okay, we're giving you all the tools that you can have, you know, and let's see where you, where this is going to take you. So we put him in better hearing aids and it still wasn't enough. So we bumped up, kept bumping up the sounds, you know, the hearing aids. Now, if you have a really significant hearing loss and you put on a hearing aid, what is that going to do? Imagine a really, really bad audio recording, right? And then you crank it up all the way because you can't understand what's going on with the audio recording. Well, you're just going to have a really loud, bad audio recording going on, you know? So that's kind of like if you're missing a bunch of frequencies and a bunch of sounds and then you crank it up, you know, it doesn't help if you put it up louder. So hearing aids don't do any good, you know, for that. So when he was um, two and a half, he was having some fluids in his ears, you know, so they said, oh, we want to put ear tubes on him. So we're going to put him under anesthesia to put uh, the ear tubes. And then we are going to do a real 
test, you know, because he's going to be asleep and, and really see what's going on in there. And when he came out of that test, they said, well, your son is profoundly deaf. And if you ever want your son to be oral, you want to have, you're going to have to consider cochlear implants. And that's when everything for me, like, whoa, that's a new world to me. I, I, I don't know how to, how to respond to that. I was a little bit in denial and shock, you know, with that. Cause while I thought that you had just had a hearing loss, like you're like me, you know, I know how to handle this. And let's just go do this. You're going to be just fine. Oh my gosh. I was wrong in so many directions. <laughs> with everything including about myself because it was the experience the experience of helping my son out did something for me that I never thought was going to happen it made me realize that all these years I had all kinds of decisions that I've done you know including not taking my passion for art you know seriously to want to be a an actual professional artist uh, I, I wasn't taking it seriously. I was I was very afraid of putting myself in the spotlight, and because I was afraid of public speaking, I was afraid of being in big groups of people. I was afraid of not understanding when people would talk to me. So I didn't want to be ridiculed in front of people because that happened when I was 17. You know, when I started losing my hearing, I would do class presentations and people would make fun of me, and. So I started making decisions, but it wasn't a conscious decision. It was subconscious to me, but I only really realized what I was doing after I had my son. When I put him in this photo communication program and he went to this preschool where all the kids were in various different types of hearing loss, when I met parents of kids with hearing loss, when I met adults that have hearing loss, worse than me, better than me, whatever, all the different colorful ways that you can experience the hearing loss it was all there and all these professionals who cared so much about educating people and helping people and I, I was so in love with being a part of this world because until then I didn't really know anybody in this world I was alone in it you know and I was hiding and I was pretending pretending it didn't exist you know so I wanted so when I when I when I got into all that I'm like oh my gosh what have I been doing to myself you know, it's like all these years, I thought I was doing just fine, but there's a lot that my hearing loss did to me that, you know, that just, that made me make decisions that weren't maybe the best decisions for myself. And I was fooling myself for believing that that was the best, you know, the best decision for me. Now, you were, you managed to explain to me how the, the ear works in specific detail. You, so much information and, but I want to ask you an emotional question, if that's okay. Of course. Well, you know, you said you experienced ridicule. I'm sure there must have been so much you've mentioned, like things can be overwhelming and, and there's fear to that. And I think a lot about, you know, like I, I've mentioned in passing on the show, like I have a bunch of physical problems. And when, my son was born and I didn't pass those on to him. I, I felt such great relief. But then I sit here and I, I see this uh, little boy who just smiles and laughs and likes making other people laugh. And I go, well, what if he gets, you know, all the stuff I dealt with with mental illness? What if he gets that someday? What, how am I going to react, you know? Sit there, I go, what if he gets bullied? I got bullied a little bit. My brother got really bullied. I had to see that. I'll go, what if that, I just want him to be who he is right now forever. <clears throat> so my point, I guess, is you went through this thing. You were ridiculed. It created insecurities. It created doubt, as you've just laid out, in your art, in yourself. So when you realize that your own child is dealing with a thing that brought those elements into your life, <clears throat> emotionally... Outside of saying, okay, how do we make a plan and deal with it? How do I understand everything about it? Which you clearly did. What's the emotions behind that? Yeah, um, there's always fear. I mean, that's never going to go away. As I think it just comes with the job of a parent. You know, you're always going to be afraid for your child. But you do have to learn how to separate yourself from them. You know, your story is your story. And even though there's some connections, and yes, there are some things that maybe, and, and I still think there might be something genetic that got passed on to my son, you know, that, that came from me and maybe the combination of me and his father's gene, who knows. But 
you know, but you, you do have to separate because I did have to deal with a lot of guilt in the beginning. I was separating from my ex when I was pregnant with him. So it was a very emotional time for me. I was alone with my two kids. My other son was two years old when I was without a car, moving to a small town, you know, with my pregnant belly, you know, all alone in a country where nobody in my family was around. And, um, and I had to, to figure out how to do it. And then when he was born, all of a sudden there's all this diagnosis coming up. It wasn't just the ears. He had problems with his eyes as well. He had, but it's, it's, it's not a super crazy problem, but it was huge in the beginning because, uh, he had a, had an eye alignment issues. So when he looks up, one eye can go all the way up and the other one stops halfway. And, and at the same time that that's happening, he also was born with ptosis. Ptosis is when you have droopy eyelids. And so the eye that can go up all the way is the eye that had the more accentuated ptosis. So that means that the eye would go, you know, under the eyelid and the other eye would stay straight. So for him and be able to compensate that, what he would do, he was he would lift his head up to be able to look straight. And that caused him to delay on being able to do all the milestones. So he had to have physical therapy and occupational therapy. So I was going back and forth, you know, stroller on hand. I didn't have money for a car back then, you know, and, and I had to, uh, all his specialists were in the big city where we lived in before. So I would have to, and I didn't want to switch the specialist because I knew the best specialists were in the big city and not in the little town where I was at. So I would walk six blocks with my two kids. I would take the train, go to the big city and then take the bus and then go to the appointments for one, two hours and then come back. You know, so my life was just that forever. You know, so emotionally, I had so many fears. But at the same time, I think now today I look at it and I still have it. You know, he's in middle school now and he freaked me out. I'm like, I don't know where to put this kid. You know, I hate middle school. I wish middle school oh, never existed. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to pause right there so everyone can just take a second and go, oh yeah, middle school. What fate can I imagine befalling upon my middle school that would make me erase the trauma of those years? We'll be right back. Okay, everybody, the breaks are over. Let's finish off the phone call. He's in middle school now, and he freaked me out. I'm like, I don't know where to put this kid. You know, I hate middle school. I wish middle school oh, never existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if my middle school crumbled to the ground right now, not with kids at after hours. Let's be clear. After hours or on the weekend. But if my uh, old middle school just collapsed onto the ground, I would pray they never rebuild it and that kids could just spend those three years uh, doing their own thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah my, my oldest one is being homeschooled. You know, he had anxiety problems, so I had to deal with him. Him was more like what maybe what you went through. He had other issues that were more of a emotional aspect. He had some of uh, panic attack issues and all of that. So eventually, it got to a point. I'm like, you know what? You're going to be homeschooled. It was just, you know, do it at home. We'll see how you do with that because you know you having anxiety and not having any friends at school and just feeling like that doesn't help. So let's just do it this way. And he's much more successful this way now, although he hates school. He always will. You know, he's a professional gamer. That's all he wants to do is just game and make money gaming. And he was, just can't wait to be done with high school. And that's his life now. He's but already he's making money happier. gaming? He's already a professional? Oh, frick yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. When I finally, three years ago is when I started taking my art profession seriously, right? So the first time I got my art studio and we were going to have a holiday bazaar. Now. My art, you know, because so much of it is related to hearing loss, you, you know, you can't imagine that I'm that successful at selling in a holiday bazaar locally, right? Because a lot of people don't really relate to that type of art. So I'm not like having a bunch of like little jewelry, you know, and, and a little, I don't know, like little gifts that you take home to give, you know, for Christmas for people and all of that. I had a bunch of prints of my watercolors and <laughs> And things related to hearing loss. And I wasn't there, but it was my, you know, this is what I have now. And I was so happy that I was just starting, you know, with my art as a profession. I was coming out of my little shell. So, um, and I spent the whole weekend, like three days, or was it two days, I think, but six hours each day. And I think I made like 25 bucks. 
And I got home in the end of the day, you know, and like I made 25 bucks. I sold one print today. I was so excited. And my son was still in his pajamas and he's like, yeah, I made $1,500. I'm like, there's something wrong with this world. <laughs> <laughs> but you must also be so, pre I mean, there's, I feel like there's a lot of parents that go, oh, my kid's addicted to video games or a professional game or what is that? But as somebody who's going, I want to make my art my life. You must be sitting here going, this kid who had anxiety attacks, panic attacks, oh, yeah. he's sitting here making yeah. bank, doing what he loves. You oh, must, yeah. There must be oh, yeah. a part of you that's like dancing a jig when you hear that. Uh, there, there's both, you know, I mean, one part I'm all like, you know, go for your dreams and, and whatever that is. But there is the other part is like, come on, you're a teenager, you know, this is sedentary, you got to get some. So I'm always trying to tell him, put all the eggs in, no, the eggs in all the baskets, not just this. So yes. Go do your gaming, you know, dedicate to it. I will allow you to have, you know, significant amount of hours, but it is more than what I'm comfortable with. And that balancing act has not been quite, you know, <laughs> resolved yet. Of I'm course. still trying to figure out how to game. Like, you got to get outside, you got to do some exercise, you got to do this other thing. So, and, and it's, it's a constant battle because then in one way you're like, okay, but you're making bank. Yeah. You're making all this money. And he, and he is learning from it too, because he's not just playing. He's like managing, you know, he has this, he runs the discord on the West coast. So he like has a hundred thousand people in his discord channel, <laughs> you know, so he's doing all kinds of shit, you know? So he's I got his Twitch. He's starting to stream. He's not a big fan of streaming. I think it's probably part of his anxiety thing. He's like, I play so much better when I'm not streaming. You know, I like to just go competitive. Like, but he can't rely on just that because stream the, the playing competitive is almost like playing poker. You know, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. So he's always making in the top 100, you know, when he plays big tournaments and all of that. But, you know, I think he made so far maybe... He's been playing competitively for a year and a half, and he's made probably about twelve thousand so far. You know, playing so not it's okay. Bad. It's going, yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. But you know, so I'm, so it's nice to see that, and he he's very happy and proud of himself. And he always tells me like, I learned so much more from doing this and so much more useful to my life than high school, you know, and I'm like, Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't completely disagree. <laughs> yeah. I'm on you his know? side, but also I'm on his side. I chased my yeah. dream. That was unlikely, but also at the same time, in case he ever hears this, get some vitamin D and eat a vegetable once in a while. Uh, it does. Yeah. It caught up with me when all I did was hang out in dark comedy clubs for the bulk of my twenties. You also have to <laughs> eat asparagus sometimes. It really does help. Exactly. Now, yes. I, I want to, that, that, that's the best. Yeah. I got to say something to you. Cause you, yeah. I mean, you know how to go, you know how to just say, you're telling me, Chris, here's some information you need. Let's talk about this, that, that, this, that, but I do want to slow down to say something that I didn't get a chance to react uh -oh. to before. Um, okay. To hear that you had a two-year-old and you're pregnant and you're single and you're in a small town and you've moved from another country so you don't have family to rely on. And then you're, when your newborn is born, you realize, okay, this kid needs multiple specialists medically. And then you say you take a train two hours and you get on a bus with a two-year-old and a newborn. Now, I have a 19-month-old. I can't imagine getting on a bus. A train, maybe, but not ideal, let alone both. Spend hours of your day. And I just want to say that uh, it's, it, it, even before I was a dad, I knew this. And I know it even more now. There's dads who step up. There's dads who do stuff and, and put people on their back. And I would like to think that in moments of need, I'm going to be one. But there are, there is something about moms that cuts deeper than any kid knows when they're being raised by one. No kid on earth, I've come to realize this as a parent, nobody grows up understanding what their parents do. And I think in many cases, what their moms do. And uh, you don't need Spider-Man or Captain America, or Batman, when you got a mom like you. And I say that so sincerely. I'm not trying to be melodramatic here. I'm saying those kids don't realize 
that two-year-old's probably on the train and the bus getting antsy and bored. Not real yeah. not realizing. Oh, you're no, you don't realize like, and you don't you can't say this about yourself, but I can say it about you. Your kids don't realize, oh no, you're sitting next to a superhero. You're sitting next to somebody who does not have the energy for this, who's finding the energy. You're thinking, you're finding somebody who already has, like you and I haven't even talked about the fact that you said you moved from a different country. You didn't even talk about the fact that you were separated from it. Like there's all these other stories that could have been the story. Kids don't understand how much you already had to deal with. And then you found the wherewithal to deal with this on top of it. A lot of times kids don't understand that when they're just hanging out with their mom that that's 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 better that's better than the x-men that's better than superman they don't even know it they don't even know it yeah no i mean maybe when they're 20 something they'll, <laughs> they'll well, turn around like oh mom wow all the things you did you know so, here's what here's what it's gonna knows? be here's what it's gonna be wow. it's gonna be when you're older one is making, first of all, half a million dollars a year by sitting on Twitch playing Call of Duty, first of all. And okay. like you hope for every generation, right? I, I look yeah. at it and go, my mom, my mom didn't have to struggle through the things my grandparents did. And because of who my mom is and who my dad is, I did not have to struggle through half the stuff that they struggled through, especially my mom. Right. And I hope right. that Cal has to struggle through less than I do. And someday your older one, he's going to be the first to realize he'll have a mortgage and a house and then he'll have his own kid and he'll go, oh my God, you don't get to sleep for more than an hour and a half for this first six months. And 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 these feedings are nuts. And it, it's going to dawn on him. This is what right. it's, this is what it's like when it's smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. And my mom was yeah. dealing with me and my young, and then your younger one's going to see your brother, it dawned on your brother and they're going to realize, holy shit, mom, the, you're, you're right. Your older one's going to go, uh, God, knock on wood, God willing. They're going to go, your older one's going to go, this is what it's like when you have a partner in it. This is what it's like when you have a car. This is what it's like when you mm -hmm. do have family. This is how fucking hard this is with all those things. And my mom did it with none of those things and had to deal with all this medical stuff. They're going to go, oh, my God, mom, mm -hmm. I didn't realize what you were. You were my hero the whole fucking time. And I had no idea. Yeah, it's, it's funny how the kids never really ask about much about the past, you know, how it was and, and all that. Not now. They're too much in their heads right now and in their own little worlds. You know, they're so self-involved that they don't stop to really think about, you know, how was it like when I was little, really, with you and with dad and with, you know, with everything? How did we turn out to be the way we are now? I mean, I'm with my partner for 10 years now. And, you know, and, and my kids, I mean, my little one was two when I met him and my older one was four and his daughter was five. So it's like there's a whole story, right, that, that got us to where we're at today. And, and, and I think they don't remember a lot of it, of course, mainly when they're so little. But there's just so much that happened around those times. But then I think when you say that, you know, you're talking about your mom. And I think about my parents, too. You know, my dad always dreamed of living abroad. He wanted to get out of our country and, 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 and go somewhere else, which, by the way, I don't mind saying where I'm from but I would love for you to try to figure out by my accent. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Do you have any idea? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Because I've been thinking this whole call and I'm thinking this more and more in life. I think we'd be better off to just say, in general, to just say, I'm sitting here going, this is a person, this person lives on the West Coast of America. They're an American. If their story is not about where they're from, that's good. And, and I mean, we have five minutes left, mm -hmm. so we've accomplished that. I will tell you that Anita... Okay. Our producer, Anita Flores, did type into our shared chat at one point, I love trying mm. to figure out accents. Do you want to hear what Anita's yeah. guesses are? Yes. <laughs> she says her bets are either Mexico or Colombia. Oh, she's so wrong. <laughs> but so I can tell you something that I think it might help you. Okay. I can tell you how we would say your name in my country with our accent. If you were to read your name, your mm -hmm. full name in our country... 
um, how most people would, I wouldn't pronounce it like that because I, I learned English, but if I didn't know English, I know how people would say your name. You want to hear that? Sure, sure. You would say, Chris Gachiharji. Never heard that. Wait, is that my first and last name? Gachiharji? Yeah, That's my last name. Gachiharji is the last, yeah. Gachiharji. Because and we tend to put the I in the end of all the words. Um, like um, that have a consonant and ending to it. So like, mm -hmm. instead of saying internet, we would say internachi. Like when my brother came to visit, you know, we have a hot tub and he would say, oh, I would love to go in the hot tub. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. So that's now. Yeah. Anita's so, going nuts. Yeah. Says, damn, I have no idea. Typed no in all caps. <laughs> When she realized she got it wrong, now she's saying, is that Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, Italian? Damn, I have no idea. Uh, uh, she got it. It's Brazilian Portuguese. I'm from Brazilian Brazil. Because so, I've been around a lot of uh, Brazilian Brazilian men through my jiu-jitsu. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why I thought you were going to get it, because you heard the accent. I hear before. it a little bit now. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I, I when you say a little bit at the ends of words, and I always remember one of my instructors, uh, this guy named Magno, who I really have so much love for. He was my first instructor. I remember he, he I can hear his accent and your accent now. And I remember he would always use this phrase that tickled me where he'd say, He'd be instructing me on a move and he'd go, all right, so what are we going to do is, and that, that was how he would say what we're going to do. So what are we going to do is, and I can hear a little mm. bit in there, a little bit in there. Yeah. Right. And I uh -huh. only really, I've only, I've only picked up as far as uh, Brazilian Portuguese. I, I know, I mean, I really just know obrigado. And then I know the curses. I know like poha, you know. Yeah, that's a good one that you slam on the table with. You go, <laughs> yeah, right. Like that was the thing when the instructors, when they'd go to a competition and one of their students would just botch a move or get get submitted yeah. for something stupid, they go, Poha! Poha! Yeah. <laughs> but the actual meaning of it, it's pretty. <laughs> I think it's the F word, is what I've heard, right? No, no, no. Because the F word is. Uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's what comes out of you when you're having sex. <laughs> wow. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? That's what it is. But, you know, and, 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 and the way that we say it, it doesn't, you know, it, it's not really bad. But so you say, you say it as if you were saying the F word, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in, in those moments. But the actual meaning of it, it is what comes out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Know? Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> now we've got. Yeah, I know. We got two minutes left, and uh, okay. I I just uh, I just really have to reiterate. Like, first of all, I've learned so much, and hearing about. I mean, hearing about bone implants and and then your son's implant. Like all that's fascinating, and then to hear everything you did to keep these kids okay. I really just, I'm, I'm less than two years in and I hope that I hope that I step up the way you did because, because uh, mm. your kids, your kids don't know how lucky they were having you around. I hope I step up mm. when it's time to step up. I hope if my son does deal with the things I dealt with that I act like you hope I don't go hide under the covers. I hope I no. step up and go, okay, yeah. You're getting bullied. I'm going to take you every, take jujitsu classes. Come no. meet my Brazilian friends. You won't get bullied. You won't get bullied anymore. You won't get bullied anymore. I think every every loving, caring parent becomes a superhero. You know, you just you roll up your sleeves and you do what needs to be done, even if you don't know how. You figure some. You try. You know, you try your best. We're always trying our best. If you care, you try. That's already enough, and that's how it goes. Now, can I tell you a quick little, a cute story of my son? Uh, my youngest one, when I was beginning to listen to you a lot, you know, I told my kids about beautiful anonymous and everything. And then one night for God knows what reason I was uh, um, up for two hours and I started having this imaginary, you know, wondering what I would say to you if I ever got on your show. And it literally, I was imaginary having imaginary conversation with you for two hours and i was even annoyed at myself come on the show is not even that long you know just go back to sleep <laughs> so i woke up and i was 
kind of twisted and tired, you know, and my, my youngest one came to the kitchen and he noticed and he was maybe like 11 years old then. And he's like, oh, what's going on? And I said, I said, oh, I kind of feel like shit, you know. Um, I haven't slept well last night. And he said, oh, you be careful. You say sorry, Stella. And I was <laughs> so funny because... <laughs> I can't tell you, just sitting here in a room in New Jersey to hear that uh, you had that moment with your kid and you're sitting up when you can't sleep and that's the thing that's helping you. I can't tell you how <laughs> how lucky I, I feel that I get to do this and uh, I get to talk to people like you. And I, I thank you so much. This was uh, made me think so much about parenting. It taught me so much about about all the specifics of what you said. I, I'm I'm blown away. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate everything that you do. Uh, your special on HBO was huge in helping my son out. He doesn't watch TV, so that was one of the few things that he watched, and I think it it really meant a lot to him to see someone opening up the way you did and also bringing some comedy into it, so he wasn't feeling like, oh, that's too much for me to watch. That was amazing to see that, so... Um, so all these things that you've been doing, they really mean something. You are really transforming lives, you know, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in really, really huge ways. So thank you for what you do. Well, that's, that's awful nice. And please, if your son came to trust me through that special, let him know I said, a vegetable, some sunlight, take a walk around right. the block, <laughs> make sure you it's get every day. eight yes. hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep. Yes. A shower yes. every morning and, and uh, don't, yes. <laughs> right? Don't fall into this. Don't become the cliche of the gamer. Take care of yourself Jeez. too. And set that Jeez. example for the next generation of, of mm -hmm. Twitch streamers. Okay, okay. We're over time. So All much, right. so Thank much you, love Chris. to you. <laughs> yes. Obrigado. All right. Obrigado. <laughs> Ciao. Caller, thank you so much. Especially those kind words at the end. Uh, I just, I just get, I just go through my life and I get, I get frustrated at stuff and I, I just work on my lawn. And then sometimes people say things like that, and I go, man, maybe it was worth it. Maybe it was worth it. So thank you, thank you for being who you are, taking care of those kids and saying those nice things it means a lot. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Jordan Allen. Thank you to Shell Shag for the music. Please go support Shell Shag. Download all their stuff. ChrisGeth.com if you want to know more about what I'm up to. Hey, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and subscribe. Hit follow on Spotify. Hit favorite on Stitcher. It really helps the show, especially in 2020 when all your favorite podcasts are losing subscribers. It really, really helps. Check out our whole back catalog without ads. StitcherPremium.com slash stories. You can also get our follow-ups there. Thank you guys so, so much.